0: Love, talk, radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. This
1: is episode number 373, How to Create More Connection Through Conflict, with Chris <laughs> Marie Campbell and Susan Clark. Hello everybody, this is Sandy Weiner, and welcome to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late for love, and that a woman of value naturally attracts the respect and rewards she deserves in life and in love. What is a woman of value? She is somebody who knows her value, and she shows up, stands up, and speaks up in support of what she knows to be her truth. And this is really the core of the work I do both for women in dating and relationships and in my work with women at work through (laughs) corporations and the work I do to help women be better leaders and speakers and set better boundaries. We're in the midst of boundary season here at Last First Date, and my co-leader and I, Teresa Byrne, are launching our Boundaries course again this Sunday is the launch date, and so we have a webinar that is going to take place. If you're listening to this in real time, it's called "How to Say No Without Feeling Guilty, Mean, or Selfish," and uh, you can sign up right now, even if you can't attend live. It's this Thursday, September 26th, at 8:30 p.m. Eastern. And the URL for that is Teresa Byrne, T R T H E R E S A B Y R N E dot com forward slash how to say no webinar. And there's uh, dashes between how to say no webinar. So that's Teresa Byrne dot com, how to say no webinar. Join us. We are going to teach you how to stop that auto yes and all the other <laughs> crap that we do when we don't have good <laughs> boundaries. Um Every week I bring you a tip on how to be a woman of value. This week's tip is don't make assumptions. Oh, my God. I just got off the phone with my mom a little while ago, and she made a huge assumption about a friend of hers and why she didn't invite her over, and, you know, and it hurt her feelings. And this is what happens when we make assumptions about people. So my challenge for you this week is to, instead of making an assumption, get curious, really just Mm think about five other ways that person might have meant whatever it is that you're interpreting. And if you can ask that person directly, that's always the best way. Before I bring on Chris, Marie, and Susan, I also want to invite you to join my free Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. This is a group for women over 40 who want to have healthy relationships. And it's very, very positive, forward-focused. We don't allow... We don't allow bashing. We don't allow name-calling. I just kicked out two people today. So we keep it Mm -hmm. safe and sane with boundaries like everything else in life, and that's the way to do it. So let's talk about my guest today. If you're like most people, you avoid confrontation like it's the plague. So what (laughs) if there was a new way to look at conflict as something to be welcomed and not avoided and what if you could learn to use conflict to improve all your relationships? Well, my guests today are Chris Marie Campbell, who's an Olympic rower, Boeing flight tester, test engineer. She has her MBA, and Susan Clark is a former marriage therapist and equis coach. Equus coach, that's horses. <laughs> they are the authors of The Beauty of Conflict, Harnessing Your Team's Competitive Advantage, and a new book called The Beauty of Conflict for Couples. As partners in work and life for over 20 years, they have adapted their proven step-by-step process, honed by working with Fortune 100 companies like Johnson & Johnson, Microsoft, AT&T, and San Francisco Giants to help long-term couples use conflict as a catalyst to greater intimacy, passion, and fulfillment. Welcome to the show, Chris Marie and Susan.
0: Oh, we're
2: happy to be here. This is Chris Marie. Yes. Um, Yeah, and this is Susan. We're excited to be on live today. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Well,
1: I love this topic. Obviously, communication, boundaries, conflict resolution is a big thing for me. And I love the concept that conflict actually brings us closer. So a lot of people think that People who fight all the time are probably not meant to be together, but you say that it's actually a positive sign, and it can bring you closer so and and having no conflict could be a red flag so let's let's talk about that. What do you have to say?
0: You bet this is Chris Marie, and I mean, I come from the background where I, relationships are um i thought a good relationship is one where everything is smooth, and so I worked my tail off to try to make sure I didn't upset anybody. I was a pleaser and a achiever. And when um, I finally was like, gosh, I've got everything right, the perfect house, the job, the partner, why am I so miserable? And a lot of it is because I wasn't bringing forward my own voice. And what we have found in long-term relationships, sure, it's nice to get along, but really, it's a marathon, not a sprint in a long-term relationship. And you really need to know how to deal with differences because otherwise what wound up happening for me is I thought my opinion didn't matter or how I felt didn't matter or what I wanted didn't matter. And so when I met Susan and she was she had dealt with she's a had dealt with groups in conflict and I saw her deal with somebody um who was kind of more of a bully, which is kind of what my dad was, I was like she did it really real and honest, and I thought, I want to learn how to do that because I, cause I could feel the aliveness. And when we got together, I kept thinking, oh, we need, you know, conflict would come up and I'd be like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. <laughs> and she's like, no, I want to hear your opinion. And I started to believe it and develop the courage to speak up. And lo and behold, nine times out of 10, we would come up with a unique solution that wasn't my way or her way. It wasn't some sort of compromise. It was a new creation. And that's, that's why we call it the beauty of conflict. It's not the fun or the joy or the ease, but the beauty, which has richness and depth and, and new possibilities. Mm, I love that. <laughs> I, we'll
2: still
1: like talk say, about. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I just just <laughs> um, before I hear from you, I want I do want to hear, but I I wanted to just reflect for a minute because um, you brought up your father, which I think people need to really hear that that this way of thinking comes from childhood often um, that we have this idea that that we can't either we can't speak up or that all conflict is bad. Um, you know so many so many of us have childhoods that did not have good communication and and place where feelings were safe so um, So I love that, and I just want to bring that out and also that um, that you come up with something unique and beautiful and i I think that many people don't see that. I used to I used to meet people who would say to me, "Oh, I never had a fight with my spouse ever. We had a great marriage." And I would say, "Did you ever have an honest conversation?"
2: Yeah. <laughs> so yes.
1: it's not it's not a badge of courage. It's it's really just keeping keeping yourself from being authentic.
0: Yeah, and I mean, from my background, with the the colonel was the dad, and um. Anger was Velcroed with violence because he would yell and sometimes uh, he would get physical. And so for sure, my nervous system was wired to, nope, never mind. I won't say anything and I'll go along. And it takes a while to actually shift that pattern. And it took a while for me to shift that pattern in my nervous system, but I did. And there, because sometimes we learn those coping mechanisms before we even had words. So they're very deep entrenched patterns. Yeah, definitely. Crispy. Thanks, <laughs> and Susan. Susan, did, did did you want to say something?
2: Oh, uh, it's, that's. I was just going to say, you know, I, uh, for sure, we have a a line that we often tell people of, you know, no boundaries, no conflict, meaning that if you actually don't, and you you were talking earlier about some of the work you do you do around boundaries and boundarying, and we think. Really, boundaries are self-expression, you coming forward and defining yourself in the world. And any time that you, you you come forward and say what you want, what you like, what you dislike, which is that act of boundarying and self-defining, there's going to be Conflict, especially because we all have different things that we like and we dislike. And actually loving and long-term relationships have nothing to do with always liking each other. It has to do with being willing to talk about what you do like and don't like and want and don't want. And I think people so often get confused by um, relationships being about just closeness. And relationships are actually places where it's okay to say you don't like something and you do like something and you still are going to hang in with each other. And that to us is what we defined as intimacy and what creates a long-term relationship. And sometimes you're distant, and being able to talk about that and say that really is what builds the foundation to keep the relationship going. And so that is the nature of where there can be conflict when there are those different desires and wants and and things. But when you realize you can talk about them and still hang in with each other, then you know you've got something that's pretty long-term, resilient, and special. Mm. Yes, I love
1: the, the definition of um, what a healthy relationship looks like I mm-hmm. think so many people have this fantasy um, of that everything is perfect And we have all the same likes and, and actually I have seen so many couples who are attracted to the same interests Which is good, but it's not at the <laughs> core of who you are And uh, just somebody I was speaking to the other day said to me that he met a woman online who volunteered for Soup Kitchen just like he did. And he said, wow, I thought, she must be a really empathic person just like me. Mm -hmm. But he heard her on the phone saying something really disparaging about somebody, but he kind of shoved that under the rug. And then when they (laughs) were together, she made some comments that were disgusting, like really awful comments that showed anything but an empathic person. So it's, it's like you take those things and you fill in the blanks and you go, oh, well, that person must be just like me and we have the same values. But you don't necessarily have the same values. And no. if you do, if you have the same worldview, if you have similar values, then you can resolve conflict in a much healthier way, I think. So can you speak to that, the difference between, like, similar interests versus,
0: like, what the core foundation of the relationship is? Yeah, for sure. We we think about rather than compatibility, really the ability to be empathetic and curious uh, with your partner is probably more critical in a healthy relationship because I would not want to date the same person I am, <laughs> like somebody just like <laughs> me. And if I can actually... Get interested in the other person, even when we're bumping into something that maybe even where we do have different values, because they're not all going to be aligned, hopefully the big ones are, but when we are in a different place, let's say around money, and I'm a saver, Susan's a spender, maybe. And so I would, um, if I can say, I can slow down and ask her, be curious, just like you were saying, and say, why is this so important to you that we spend money on X, Y, and Z? And then when she starts to talk, she's going to start to talk about what's driving her at a deeper level rather than the top line of do we spend or save. It's more I'm getting to know her and seeing this human being who's different from me and can I actually have empathy and curiosity for how she's putting the world together because it probably make, it makes sense over there. And can I actually develop a connection to that? Because that's the, that's the juice that we all want, that sense of human connection that comes out when we slow down and ask a deeper question like, why is this so important to you to really understand the other person?
1: Yes, I love that. I, I think the why is always what, that's what drives us. Mm-hmm. And right. people will look at other people as the other. You know, they're different from me. And not not get curious and find out what motivates you to do whatever. I mean, I I was talking to a client this morning, and I was talking about the stories behind tattoos, for example. And she said, I always felt it wasn't PC to ask why, you know, what the story was behind someone's tattoo. I said, are you kidding me? People love to talk about their tattoos. (laughs) And you find out, like, a whole story about something that's important to that person it's a great way to connect and find out more instead of mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, all people with tattoos are weird." You know, like how right. some <laughs> people might look at that, right?
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> that, that, uh, I mean, what you're talking about applies to pretty much anything and everything. Like when a relationship starts, you know, when you when you meet that person who you think you're going to fall in love with, you immediately project an entire long story about what they're going to be like, usually based on one little nano cube of information. You know, like I knew Chris Marie was an Olympian, and I made up a world of stories about who she was and what that meant in terms of our relationship it's just from that thing. Now, nine times out of ten, most people don't spend that much time talking about their romance, their imagination, and they just assume it's all happening, you know, as, a, as opposed to sharing and talking about that, and especially in the romance space. You're kind of, you know, you've got all sorts of hormones and and dopamine and everything else going because you've fallen in love so you don't take the time to figure out that you don't, maybe you don't even know. Right then, it's just a, it's just a romance with your imagination. You're in, you're in relationship with your <laughs> imagination, not the other person. Mm-hmm. And so it can be really important to start to talk about what is my romance, and that go, that happens throughout the stages of relationships. Like you know, when you decide to have children, you each have different romances around what that means and what that looks like, and it could be about careers or where you live. We, and unless we actually take the time to talk about those things and really share them with each other, we won't even know that we have different, uh, different storylines. Because we're so quick to throw that out and make assumptions and assume we're all on the same page when we probably haven't even said, "Here's what I thought it was going to be like." And that's yeah. a pretty vital part of relating.
0: Well, even so when the vital. person does show, when the person does show up differently than how I have cast them in my movie because that's basically what I'm doing I'm casting you know her in my movie and, and then I'll start to well maybe if I just hint or manage or nudge I can get this person back in line like with Susan she wasn't she dressed too casually for me we were working in the corporate setting and I'm like okay uh, what I did is I didn't talk to her about it I set up a personal shopper date you know, the, and I coordinated the whole thing hoping you know of course you know she'll see the light she did not see the light (laughs) but then what happens is we we start to blame the person like wait a minute you're not playing the part i cast you and then we start to control it starts to escalate and that's when we hit that oh power struggle conflict point and we uh we think we've we think we've found the wrong person if only I could find the right person, then this would be okay. And quite often, it's not about that at all. It's really, how can I actually slow down and really get to know this person? We talked about intimacy, and we, we define it as into me, see, meaning can I share with this person my romance and then be curious about what is really happening over there? That's, that's the bridge that can help really uh, build the glue for creating a long-term relationship.
1: Yeah, that's a great that's a great example of of trying to impose your fashion sense on, on somebody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here, this is the right way to dress. Just do this without <laughs> discussing it. <laughs> right. Uh well, you mean, know, when I when so much just came up for me when you were talking about my marriage and I married somebody who I checked off a whole bunch of checks that I thought were important for marriage. We Mm -hmm. had to have the same religious beliefs and want the same amount of children and want to live in the same kind of place. You know, there was, I I didn't know much about what a relationship should be. And the truth was, even religiously at the time, we both practiced similarly, like we both had the Mm -hmm. same observances. But our worldview about religion, God, all of that was never, never Mm -hmm. the same. And Mm -hmm, that became a huge issue for us. And so now I really understand it's not what it looks like on paper. It's really about, can <laughs> right. you uh, you have to have these conversations. And and also where we lived became a major issue for for us because he was so set on living near his family that was the most important thing, and that did not work for me. And yeah. that we had so much conflict over that, and it was just my way or the highway. And. Mm. So, you know, knowing how to pick a better partner is also part of all this. <laughs> um, but somebody wanted to say something before I said I think that. Susan
2: was about to say something. Well, I was I just, I mean, actually I love listening to what you said because that, I mean, I do think it's so important to realize that it's not what's on the paper. It's, you know, looking, talking about it, understanding, you know, where you each are and, and. In reaching behind that, and you know, even what you said about, I can imagine it would be difficult to find out he wants to live close to his family, and you know, trying to explore that, like why is that so important to you? Because it really doesn't fit for me, and mm-hmm. you know, hopefully, hoping, hoping you know to have those conversations over and over again about different things because it's going to keep coming up in the yep. in the relationship until you actually have that. I think you know, I, I think it was Gay Hendricks said, you know, behind every uh, issue and communication issue is a sweaty palm conversation that needs to happen and nine, mm-hmm. a 10 minute sweaty palm conversation, but we don't actually have that conversation and we do all sorts of other things. Cause in our, in our most basic relationship, we want, we're either, we we're fi- We, we don't want to feel abandoned. And we also don't want to feel inundated. And those are two things that can create a lot of tension. And, and, and so, it's important to talk about it, and yet it's so hard to do because it's like, oh, I don't want to say this because what happens if it's a deal breaker? And I think I've found per- someone who's a-, a perfect match for me. But better to have that in- difficult conversation than to not have it and discover later, oh, I, you know, this really was an irreconcilable difference that we needed to talk about to see if there was a. Uh, a way to get through it, and not just compromise, but to get to a place of really each feeling heard, seen, and recognized
1: yeah yeah and and there's so much avoidance of the conversations <laughs> i I see in my Facebook group. people will post things like I was with somebody for a year, and I never saw the inside of their house, um <laughs> I never met their kids i and then finally, I saw their house, and they're like hoarders, well, like mm-hmm. hello. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. happened during the whole year? So mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, I don't, I don't want to bring it up. I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to feel needy. A lot of that happens, and that's why I love teaching this, too, because it's, it's not that hard to have these conversations if you keep practicing. And mm-hmm. there's so many safe ways to practice. You know, I, I even I talk about my son a lot because he, he lives with me, and we have these tough conversations all the time. He sets boundaries with me when he comes home from work and he's ex- exhausted and he'll say, I just need time to be by myself and I'll let you know when I can talk to you. I love that.
0: That's mm-hmm. so <laughs> clear.
1: You know? mm-hmm. it's, I'd much rather he did that than he stayed in the room with me and he got pissed off at me.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things we mentioned in the book, The Beauty of Conflict for Couples, is a simple tool when you're for, you know, you, you're worried about having these conversations and, and thinking we've got to come to a solution, like we've got to make a decision on where we're going to live or, you know, if we're going to have married, or get married or have kids, whatever it is. And it's, um, it's a tool for approaching hot topics when you need a little bit more space to kind of even figure out your own thinking out loud, because so often when we're not bringing things up, there's a lot that's happening in our heads, but until we start talking about it, we don't get clear. And it's called a 555, and it's for uh, two people. Like sometimes somebody will want to bring up a topic, and the other partner will be like, oh, my gosh, we're going to talk about this for hours. You know, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so it's this contained, boundaried way to have a conversation where the first five minutes, partner A talks about, let's say, it's where we're living or sex or children, whatever it is, and just there their thoughts about it. And partner B is just listening and not, you know, just really listening with the intent to be influenced. Just take it in that this is, this is this person sharing their world and how they put the pieces together. You don't have to change or agree or anything. And then, 5 minute ends and you really honor that time boundary and partner B then gets their 5 minutes to talk about that topic. And again, then partner A is listening just with the willingness to be influenced and see and witness their partner. And the last 5 minutes is a dialogue where you both kind of you can check out your story or reflect back what you heard or ask a follow-up question. And then at the end of the 15 minutes you stop talking about it, and you go do something different, or you take space, whatever fits it 's not a five five forty five it 's a five 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 and it 's a right. really simple tool to get underneath kind of what is driving the person and how they put the world together it 's not to drive to a solution it 's more to investigate what 's behind it and If you do it a few times you 'll probably um, a, a solution will emerge that fits for you both. As and it's probably not what you originally thought was going to have to be the answer.
1: Mm, I like that. It's. It reminds me of Imago therapy a little bit.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh. Yeah. Don't, and,
2: yeah. They have yeah, similar. And, they have something similar. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I think. So and it's really I, I all want, about listening. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> listening as we're talking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead.
2: No, um, carry on. I was just acknowledging the Imago part and knowing they had a process similar. So that was it. Go ahead. Yeah, no.
1: I I once watched a demo of a conversation done in the Imago therapy style, and they had actual uh, little toys. Like one person had a heart, the person who was talking, and the person who was listening had a little ball that was, in the, that was like the earth, and it was like a little rubber ball with a painting of the earth on it, and they would put the ball under their butt to signify that they were sitting on their world, like you weren't going to die while you're listening, your world is under you <laughs> while you li- it just was like a really cool um demonstration to me because listening was such a hard thing for most of us and me mm-hmm. in particular, because um, we all want to just contribute and talk and The listening part is so important because a person needs to feel heard and you need to acknowledge that you heard and understood. And, boy, if everybody did this, the 555, we'd have a Mm -hmm. much happier world. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) So in the book, um, you also talk about makeup sex. And this I found fascinating, that too much makeup sex could be a sign of an unhealthy relationship where a lot of people think, ah, this is the greatest so
2: can you explain that? Well, well, often, this is Susan, often makeup sex comes when it's kind of like you get into a fight and then one of you apologizes, like, oh, I'm sorry. And then it's, it seems like it's all been resolved, and so you have great sex often. I mean, a lot of couples I worked with would describe that, like, oh, yeah, we got into a big fight, but then he, he or she said they were sorry, and then we had great sex. Now the problem with that is that doesn't ever actually address what was actually happening. It's kind of and often people will say, "I'm sorry," without really saying, you know, what what was I up to? What was I even doing? Um, What was? Why were we at such odds with each other? And and too often that part of the dialogue and conversation gets missed, and so you can keep having that same apologetic you know, great sex with an apology, but you actually never have the right conversation. And that's why we think sometimes that can be detrimental in some relationships because too often it you're not getting to what's underneath it. That makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, you know, but the sex is good, so I think that's <laughs> what you know, And but the but eventually that's gonna probably not be enough. So you know huh.
1: Yeah, I like, know some couples who were glued together with you know, make up sex, and I never really understood <laughs> how that worked. But right. I, I do. I, I personally couldn't live like that. But I, I think that um, also a lot of times people say, "I'm sorry" as a way of shutting you up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that drives me crazy. So <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that seems to be a little bit connected here. It's like, just yeah, I'm sorry. Let's just get to the sex part. Right.
2: Yeah too often that is the case, and I'm sorry is very different than, wow, I'm the type of person who did this, and really owning that maybe I did something that was painful or difficult for my partner. I'm sorry is a way to avoid saying that a lot of times, because it's uncomfortable yeah. to say, but it's important to actually recognize, wow, I did do that, and I've done it before, and great sex isn't going to take that away until I really look at what I'm doing. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, it's on the whole
2: responsibility sides. piece. That's just yes. so crucial. Yeah. Yes. So. Um,
1: yeah, really important I mean I could talk about this for the next five hours. Oh yeah, this is um here's here's another question. A lot of times women in long term relationships say that they feel alone and they want more intimacy. And I know I felt like that in my marriage, um, felt like I was totally alone for, the, for most of it. So in, in your book, you say it's possible to have intimacy without going to couples counseling or even if the other partner doesn't want to do the work. And this, I know this comes up so much because the people say, I'm doing all the work or I'm going to therapy, but they're not. So how, how is that
2: possible? Well, we we talk about this in the book, that in, in any situation, there's what we call the me-axis and the we-axis. And we spend a lot of time talking about the we, how to have a conversation with our partner. But a lot of times – really people who are suffering from their own sense of not having the connection they want or anything like that, if they actually got deeply in touch with what they needed, it may not need to be and started to address, how can I feel alive? What do I need to express, take care of? And not just assume that their partner is going to do all that work, but actually start to do it for themselves. Like, you know, even around sexuality, I'm not talking about going out and acting out with other sexual partners, but to be more aware of how sexuality plays out. To wear clothing that makes you feel more alive, to go dancing, to do things that start to bring your life back. And too often, all of that gets addressed like my partner has to change for me to bring any of this aliveness into my life. And we believe that if you start to explore your own, what am I doing? How could I be more alive? That one thing, you'll start to shine (laughs) – and likely your partner is going to get interested. And, and, and if they don't, that's information. But we found over and over again that if one per- partner starts to, you know, bring their own aliveness into fullness and, have, and take responsibility for that, that becomes a catalyst for the whole relationship to
0: potentially change.
2: It makes a lot of sense.
0: We had one woman who really wanted, um, she was really feeling lonely. She wanted to do uh, more European travel, and her husband's like, no, I'm not interested. And she was pretty miserable, and then we started to work with her, and and we encouraged her. So what would you create? And she wound up, she went traveling on her own. She went to Thailand. She went to Switzerland, and she did this a few different trips, and her husband saw how fun it was for her. And eventually he's like, okay, I want to come too. (laughs) So it is, you know, as any work that you do on your me, and you really get in touch and take care of your own needs, you are going to, you will be more shiny and um, attractive. And maybe your partner will wake up, maybe not, but you're going to be having a lot more fun and feeling more fulfilled. Yes, so true. Mm -hmm.
1: And you see so many people who don't do that work, who end up in relationship after relationship and complain about the same things over and over. Why, why did he
0: do that to me? And it's
1: like, Oh, hello, you're the common denominator here.
0: Uh Yeah. It's true. I mean, I get uh, women that I coach. They're like, I think I married the wrong person. And then they, they, whatever, if they change and this a different person, they're still, no matter where you are, where you go, there you are. And you're going to keep creating those results unless you do something differently.
1: Yes absolutely so true and it's so empowering to do this work because not only do you enjoy your life more but you have more intimacy you have more authenticity and you have better relationships all around so mm-hmm. this is exactly
2: so crucial
1: <laughs> so 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 important so everybody go buy the book the beauty of conflict <laughs> that's what it's called right
0: the um, beauty of conflict for couples yeah for couples yes and um tell tell our audience how they can find you. Yes. Well, we have our um, – it's pretty easy to find us because a lot of our things are the beauty of conflict. So we have a podcast called The Beauty of Conflict, um, our book, The Beauty of Conflict for Couples, and we have a business book, The Beauty of Conflict uh, for Teams, basically. And our main website, our business website, is thriveinc.com, T-H-R-I-V-E-I-N-C.com. And you can find our book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Goodread- um Indie bound. and on Instagram we're Thrive Inc. and Facebook we're Thrive Inc. MT for Montana, and our personal names Chris Marie Campbell and Susan Clark.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the show today and and for doing this amazing work. This is oh. changing lives, and I I appreciate you. Oh, yeah. thank you, Sandy. It's a delightful
2: know. to be here. Yeah, yeah. and you're you. doing good work. I love that working helping thank people. Thank
1: you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. And everyone listening today, thank you for listening. And if you love our show, please rate us, review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we hope you go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. <laughs>
2: yes, Bye. Bye.